the week? May 13th. Okay. <laughs> I should write this down, but I feel like it's no, better if I just no, say it's, it. No, you can't write it down. Okay, go. All right. The week, May 13th, the neighbors asked to be eaten <laughs> Alex Jones's. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right, go. <laughs> go, go. I'm Decatur Brent with my host, Steve Daly. We're going to break down a lot of topics today, including the IDW, a.k.a. the intellectual dark web, and how they one-track trajectory all the way to alt-right-landia, where they believe in flat-earth society. We don't even talk about flat-earth, <laughs> but you should know that right now. Let's get to it. Oh, uh, let's do it. And that's when we started getting real philosophical. Oh, yeah. You don't know the art we're trying to spit out right now. Art, art, art we're trying to spit out right now. And we're here to say, fuck your liberal, huh? Fuck, 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 fuck your liberal, huh? You're upset that we went to Iraq for oil? Well, too bad. Take a look at your ass. You shouldn't be able to see it that easy. How it works, lefties have soft Okay, and we are back for another week of us spitting bullshit and convincing you of our way of life. Yeah, well, you really know how to sell them, Steve. <laughs> uh, we're having problems recording remotely. Uh, the internet doesn't agree with us here. So I would just like to say I was going to apologize um, on behalf of the podcast because this might not sound the best uh, sound quality wise compared to our other episodes but honestly fuck it because we still sound better than a lot of podcasts <laughs> trying to do it right now so I'm not yeah. going to apologize Bernie Sanders started a podcast actually and you know what we sound way better than him so don't even listen to him just listen to us you'll get all the same information yeah. yeah we're what smarter what has Bernie Sanders ever done for the progressive movement <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something that we have to address that's super important sure let's do it Just I I'll admit it I'm just going to be honest with my superpowers being honest, I'll eat your ass. I will eat your ass. <laughs> oh, man. Forbes, um, Forbes magazine uh, says, I keep citing that. They're getting so much. I'm shouting them out so much on this fucking podcast. They're getting a lot of praise on a progressive yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's crazy. But they, the, the headline, uh, one of their articles says, please don't eat your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Why what Alex Jones just said is so dangerous. I love that there's people with like college degrees who view themselves as like real thinkers and they have to explain in articles right now to people why you shouldn't be eating your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I understand where he's coming from, though, you know, like if it really came down to it, I'd you eat your neighbor. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> We're all thinking it. Listen, that's that's locker room talk. <laughs> I, I've just been thinking about a guy like this, and uh, you know how you end up kind of trapped, right? Because he's made a brand off being ridiculous like this, sure. and so it's not like he can back away from that now and just you know come around and be like, oh, I'm actually a moderate. It's like now he he just has to keep going further and further down the crazy hole. After you've already gotten the controversy from like saying Sandy Hook didn't happen, and I know, you know, he's always like, oh, I didn't say that, but he did. <laughs> and I'm gonna eat you. Uh, um, <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about a, a few names of uh, internet personalities today. There's actually a much more nefarious group of individuals on the internet, much more problematic group that people take a lot more seriously, and that's these guys and women who call themselves part of the intellectual dark web. This is Eric Weinstein. Thanks for coming back to my YouTube channel. So I believe that I'm guilty. I introduced the phrase intellectual dark web on stage at the Masonic Theater with uh, Ben Shapiro and Sam Harris. 
What the intellectual dark web actually is, is an alternative sense-making collective. Today we are going to be talking about the intellectual dark web, which is essentially a bunch of fucking 40-year-old nerds. <laughs> We're going to break <laughs> down uh, a lot about them here. So what is the intellectual dark web? A lot of people are probably wondering if you don't already know. The intellectual dark web is pretty much, it was coined by a member of the group. They go by the IDW for short, by this dude named Eric Weinstein. He describes this as a free speech activists who are taking thoughts and ideas back from the radical left wing who want to silence speech. This group is mostly these thinkers, as they call themselves. They claim to be nonpartisan, which is just hilarious because they also happen to always speak about progressives, and somehow they never can insult Trump without bringing up the left. They're super sympathetic to libertarians and conservatives because they believe they get bullied for their ideas a lot, and they're real angry about that, yet they don't think that happens on the other side a lot. They're real angry about identity politics. They get mad at the LGBTQ right. community for being yeah. like, hey, I'm gay, this offends me. It's, it's pretty much all just goes back to them wanting just to say the most fucked up shit and people not being able to handle it. But uh, I definitely believe that the IDW uses identity politics more than anybody. <laughs> in, in yeah, all that's kind of their, that's kind of their main main thing right so to be fair i think that why this is initially so persuasive to kind of white cisgender straight folks is that you know if they don't think enough about race and gender in their life um, or they just don't spend a lot of time at thinking about it because it doesn't really affect them personally in their day-to-day -day life very much to then have like some liberal show up in your face and be like you know, you're a white person and you should feel guilty about this, that, and this, you know, the initial reaction, like anybody's initial reaction to being like accused of something that they weren't even thinking about five seconds ago is, uh, is to be defensive. Fuck you. I, I didn't right. do anything wrong. Right. And they, know, so they, that's where they, that's the hook. It's just a group of self-claimed intellectuals that react to what they view as people being too sensitive in society. And they sort of view themselves all the gatekeepers for facts, logic, and reason. And those are words that they like to use a lot. Facts, logic, and reason. Ironically enough, not everybody in the group, but a good majority of these people aren't career political <sighs> pundits or anything like that. There's a few, but they try to act like they're nonpartisan. So, which gets into one of their first core views is that the left is intolerant <laughs> progressives <laughs> are intolerant yeah. so right off the get bat it's it's already political uh, another one is science over everything in specific regards to gender and biology that's that's a big thing is that men are men women are women which really hasn't been debated as much as they act like it has been and and they're they're really against gender terminology that's changing they really yeah. struggle with trans rights uh, they don't like they, they don't like respecting people's pronouns and they're just like right. outspoken about this stuff right and then and right. then they, they also get into uh in a, in a very similar way they think that science and facts is on their side about race or is that when we get more down the uh, far right. Uh, that's that's where it gets a little murky. Not all of the IDW people believe that, but some of the bigger names do believe that. The main thing to take away from what the IDW is is its reactionary politics to what they view as intolerant and too radical. Maybe maybe if I can take a little bit away from this, and also what I understand is that the the kind of what the intellectual dark web is is people who are basically just anti-progressive. Yeah, they're dicks. You can say it. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Okay, so now that we know what it is, I just kind of want to break down the, the main players, the MVPs of the scene. First, we have the ever so endearing Brett Weinstein. Now, Brett Weinstein was a professor at Evergreen College who refused to stay home from work one day for some weird ass, like, holiday thing at this college. Evergreen College is a super progressive college in Washington. So they were doing this weird thing where all the white people were supposed to stay home to show the importance of people of color. Me, I, me personally, I think this was kind of a weird, random-ass thing to do, but fucking whatever, I guess. Uh, Wait, Brett, so the white people get a day off? That's how I took it. I'm like, really? Like, that seems like a <laughs> better thing. Hey, you guys think you're so important? Well, I'm going to take a day off to prove it. Like, I don't... Maybe it's a cool thing. Maybe I it's mean, cool. I mean, once again, I'm not going to go too hard on college kids because they're, they're, they're learning about politics for the first time so i think they're just probably i don't know you know what if your very first protest you ever do in your life is like out of protest i'm just gonna stay home and play xbox like i'm not mad at you that's pretty creative yeah that's good that's good (laughs) make it think uh so so anyhow that happens brett weinstein who if you couldn't tell by his name is white (laughs) um (laughs) he decided not to stay home that day what a dick. So he he showed up to work and pretty much got like laughed off the campus that day. I don't know. It's all, to be fair to Brett Weinstein, who's probably the more sympathetic case of all a lot of these people joining this, he then becomes very angry with the progressive movement and starts, you know, saying that they're not letting people be people. So, all right. You have him. He's a evolutionary biologist. So now... We get to a man by the name of James Damore, who was a Google employee uh, engineer there, I believe, had to send out an internal memo for the company to figure out the, the cultural diversity there and why things aren't going the way that Google planned. So he suggested that men are more suited for technical roles than women are. Became oh. this huge, yeah. And the the memo leak became a huge story, and there were uh, IDW players who claim not to be partisan or political get involved in this story. And this is kind of the first uh, mumblings you're starting to see of these people who think, well, there's this intolerant left growing, right? Like and where are and they um, communicating with people? Is this where the YouTube thing started? Uh, there's already 4chan is starting to gain a little more steam and there's some people who view themselves as more intellectual on 4chan and then 8chan all, all these dumbass fucking sites but yeah. uh, but YouTube is the main one and this this guy's name is and George Demora you said James Demore and he actually his story got blasted to a whole nother level of fame once Joe Rogan had him on this I believe is 2017. Uh, intern, do you want to look it up? We need an intern. I'm looking it up right now. (laughs) Intern! Hello? Yes, sir? Can I help you? Get your ass to work! Okay. Yeah, 2017. Okay. All right, cool. 2017. It just helps me to think about years. So this is three years ago. This guy gets fired. Okay. So they're jumping on YouTube for channel this shit, and they're starting to talk shit about uh, the James Damore. And let me guess what they're saying is, hey, he actually was, he had a good point, and he shouldn't shouldn't have been fired for exercising his right to be a male chauvinist. Yeah, right. So definitely there was groundwork laid way before James Damore. This yeah. is just where you kind of think is the moment that sets it right. really into motion. This is where was truly laid. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so, Laying pipe, baby. So <laughs> Brett Weinstein, who is this super progressive guy, at least so he says, just enraged by all this. So progressive. So, so he's 
that's his role in this. Now, Brett Weinstein stays in the scene and is still considered part of this IDW clique. So he personally, okay, so as a result of that happening and at the same time the James Damore thing, then these people come out of the shadows on YouTube and they're all yelling about both of these stories. Is that what you're saying? And then James, right. what's his name, the Weinstein guy? personally becomes part of this movement so, yeah. so, so okay. James Damore is he, he definitely does his run of interviews out of anger and all that and then he kind of backs off whereas Brett Weinstein really leans into it uh, into the, this IDW scene so does he and start his own YouTube channel then too he started oh he got one with his wife who it's called the Dark Horse Podcast so they're really into things that are dark <laughs> so Brett Weinstein is extremely mistreated <laughs> who's the first person to come out to protect him uh, I don't know. David Duke. His, no. <laughs> All right. You're going to be underwhelmed. His brother, yeah. Eric Weinstein. Oh, I thought you were going to say Harvey. I thought it was a surprise <laughs> twist. <laughs> Eric Weinstein. He's the managing director for an investment firm, or Teal Capital, which is ran by Peter Teal, who started PayPal. So just to give you a sense of where we're at here, is outraged about how his brother was treated, but and thinks the lefty mob, as he calls it, was way too harsh on on his brother. You're trying and to tell me to be tolerant, and I don't want to. So he's the one who named the intellectual dark web. Uh, so weird. Oh yeah, okay. That explains his dark horse, inner intellectual dark web. Okay, I'm seeing a trend here. Right. Right. Weird. A lot of darkness. <laughs> a lot of sleepiness. <laughs> A lot of sleepiness, a lot of lights out for these fellas. <laughs> Eric Weinstein also sounds like it's he's a light. sleeping. <laughs> okay. So, these fucking creeps. So, so what you have is two people who aren't political at all. At all. Now starting this new scene of political thought. And they're really honestly gaining an audience from jumping on a bunch of different shows, including the Joe Rogan podcast. The Weinstein brothers really are starting to kick this thing off. Who is one of the first people that jumps on board to all of this? Sam Harris. I was going to guess David Duke again. Not David Duke. <laughs> when is he coming? <laughs> I don't know if he's... I don't know. I, I don't want to break your heart. <laughs> Uh, I know you're white enough. He wouldn't want to break it either. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. He cares about me, unfortunately. So, so Sam Harris, who is Who the a fuck is that? Sam Harris is a neurologist. <laughs> you know, all these political guys. Yeah, this is such a he's weird a, mix of people. So he's a neurologist who originally got big for being part of the atheist collective known as the Four Horsemen. The, so four the Four Horsemen. Horsemen was Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, and is... Bill Maher, the last one? Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris, and some guy named Dennett. Dennett. All right. Well, Dennett's boring, so I'm going to say Bill Maher. So, <laughs> we'll Bill Maher is not in. on the intellectual level of these guys at all. No, but he thinks he is, and he's good friends with Sam Harris. <laughs> so Sam Harris kind of got bigger. He, he, he had a, definitely a circle where old school liberals loved him because of he was an atheist and writing these books talking about how religion is the devil essentially sam harris also <laughs> that's just in, in mainstream culture in mainstream culture got a lot bigger when ben affleck was on the bill maher show debating him about islam every criticism of the doctrine of islam gets conflated with bigotry so hold on are racism. you the person who understands the officially codified doctrine of islam you're the uh, interpreter well, of that, well, so you well, can say, well, I, this I'm, is... I'm I think actually, any, I'm actually well-educated on this topic. I'm, I'm asking you. So I mean, you're you, saying, if I criticize the... You're saying that Islamophobia is not a real thing. That if you're critical of something... It, well, it's not a real thing when we do it. 
Boom, so, it was just played. Crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> a defender of, of IQ theory uh, where it's very controversial talking about you know the reasons why white people potentially have a higher IQ than black people. It's just really, uh, you know, dog whistling right, racist right, shit. Right, right, right. He's propped up people who who champion this. Oh, okay. Including well, what a fucking Including the dick. man who wrote the book, uh, The Bell Curve. More on that later. Uh, fun fact about Sam Harris, too. I believe his mom, like, wrote for the Golden Girls or some shit. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So now we have a third man involved here, four if you're including Joe Rogan, who none of them technically are political. So as Sam Harris is on this kick about the regressive left and how everyone who disagrees with him is a piece of shit, <laughs> there is an actual piece of shit who agrees with Sam Harris, and everyone's okay with it. He is the Kermit the Frog speaking psychological professor from the <laughs> University of Toronto, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Now, uh, can we get a clip of him talking so we know the Kermit the Frog shit? Absolutely. Let's do it. And it's not necessary to stay with one woman. Increasingly among my students, I see young men who don't know how to be good men. My son wasn't allowed to throw a snowball, for example, in elementary school. It is in that manner that decent boys are made to feel guilty about their masculine impulses. Well, Jordan Peterson talks like this. <laughs> I just... I just think that there's nothing wrong with uh, the far right, and I think you cucks need to get in line. <laughs> cucks Jordan, and soy boys. Jordan Peterson uh, got big for refusing to follow the University of Toronto's policies to call students by their preferred pronouns. Once again, going back to this thing of, like, I hate me having to say what you want to be identified as. <laughs> um, it becomes this big story within local Toronto and Canadian news. He's, he he gains a little cult following among, you know, right-wing kids who are just like, yeah, fuck the LGBT and shit like that. Because <laughs> I've, I've seen a few of his videos. His point is like, your life, don't blame anyone else for your problems. If you would just make your bed, you'd be fine, right? Like, isn't that kind of, I'm right, reducing it down to the brass Yeah, tacks. and obviously I'm not literally saying that's all he talks about. But it's really all he talks about. I remember one thing with Jordan Peterson having a video. He was interviewed, and I forget who did it. Um, and it was a younger guy just talking to him about his beliefs about how it's cool to flirt with women in the at, at work. And that's yes. like one of the great yeah. parts of work. I mean, what a dick. And yeah. he, I remember one of the questions was like, uh, maybe we can play part of it here. But I remember one of the questions was like talking about he um, – thinks that women only put on makeup whether they realize it or not just to attract men at work. Here's a rule. Don't, don't How about no makeup in the workplace? Why would that be a rule? Why should you wear makeup in the workplace? Uh, Isn't that sexually provocative? <laughs> that fucking dick. Maybe some people just feel better wearing makeup. Anyway, that was an interview with Vice News. Who's next? So Ben Shapiro is our first political pundit involved in the IDW. A lot of people probably already know Ben Shapiro from when he... He got big for talking about how Trayvon Martin deserved to die. So <laughs> that's kind of his real big break into the conservative scene. Jesus He's Christ. He's a total shithead. Now, Ben Shapiro, uh, that's gross. as well as hating PC mob and thinking climate change isn't a big deal and won't go to your gay anniversary party, also has a famous trait oh my that God, everyone knows. I didn't knows know any of these things. Okay. Oh, yeah. More on, more on that later because that's, yeah. a, that's a fun one to little digest. Ben Shapiro is kind of notorious for being the 
you know, the right strongest thinker as far as like he is the conservative who can debate anyone. But really all Ben Shapiro does is talk fast and talk confident and it gets misrepresented as intelligence. Well, the fact is that if you had to work more than one job to have a roof over your head or food on the table, you probably shouldn't have taken the job that's not paying you enough. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I'm so dazzled by his intelligence. Oh, my God. And that's why we need to kill Palestinians. (laughs) And by the way, he he runs a website called The Daily Wire that has... uh, over a million subscribers. He does very well for himself. Someone else is looking at this from afar, a political pundit who says, I can do that same shit. And this, my friends, is the most... Uh, th- this this is the, the greatest guy personally in the IDW to me because he's such a fraud. <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> obvious that he has... He literally knows the least out of anyone in the group. I have to say that my brain is still in recovery mode from taking in so many <laughs> high-level important ideas. <laughs> so... Dave Rubin is a former host of the Young Turks who is said to have Yeah, which is like, you know, if you don't know about the Young Turks already, obviously a very progressive uh, platform. Right. A lot of people can hate the the Young Turks, but admittedly, they've done more for the progressive movement as far as media is concerned than anyone in the modern time. Sure. So he started off there and said to have left because they wouldn't give him a six-figure salary for his own show. Mm -hmm. Naturally, I don't know what would happen to you if someone denied our offer for six figures here (laughs) but i don't know about you but i would personally leave and become a full conservative as well (laughs) so dave rubin slowly has just gone from you know all these all these idw guys to now he is more conservative i'd argue in some respects than ben shapiro uh dave rubin has had on all all the Sam Harris's, the Jordan Petersons went on tour with Jordan Peterson and the Candace Owens, who's Candace Owens is IDW adjacent as well. Uh, you might know oh Candace Owens from the Kanye West rants and all that, but I don't even really want to talk about her because the IDW has not allowed her in, probably because she's black and a woman. But <laughs> that might have something to do with it. Yeah, oh they're like, God. yeah, she says what's, what, what we like, but she's black and hangs out with rappers. So yeah, so they c- in there. So she might not survive one of our uh, rallies or whatever. Yeah, right. And Ben Shapiro's big thing is he wants to push ideas. He's always talking about ideas. So so here we have this champion of ideas. But the funny thing is he only has people from the right on his show. He refuses to have anybody who's even left-wing at all on their show. Now, he'll have former progressives, former lefties on his show, but never anyone that actually is left. Wow. Even though he wants to promote this, this space of free speech, uh, free well, ideas. Decatur, there's no ideas on the left. There's just whining and wanting handouts. You're right. <laughs> and, you, know, you know George Soros is paying for all of that. <laughs> I one get thing... all my salary from Bill Gates. <laughs> well, one thing Dave Rubin doesn't talk about his salary is who funds his show. Turns out when you go dig into it, he is funded by three different think tanks. And all three think tanks are funded by who? Well, the Koch brothers. Ah, I was going to say David Duke. Yeah. <laughs> so now all these all these people Man, have they something love in common. Coke. They all they all have something in common. They view themselves as heroes punching back at the regressive left and and their job is to point out the flaws of their radicalism and why they they try to use conservatism as 
edgy, it's cool, it's new, and that these are brand new ideas that no one's ever talked about. And we're pushing culture forward when in reality, they're just pushing it back that to a time that we've already had. I do think it's important to point out that this far right ideology doesn't allow for free expression and new ideas at all. <laughs> it's the oh, yeah. exact fucking opposite. Yeah, it's a facade, you know. They're they're yeah, yeah, we can get into it, but uh it's it's bullshit, right? They're literally saying you're oppressing me with your new ideas, right? It's the ultimate irony. And and what it is, it's it's not that they're giving any new ideas. It's just they're all so hung up on this idea of political correctness. It is a big selling point, I think, to moderates that feel like, you know, they can't tell you what they wanted to. And especially there's a lot going on right now. I get maybe some people are a little hesitant to say how they feel. Now, as far as when the IDW talks about this, they never tell you what they're actually feeling, whatever the fuck's on their mind. So they promote themselves as these renegades who'll say, like, the dangerous truths. And what are these dangerous truths? Flat tax rates, states' <laughs> rights, and socialism is bad, and immigrants are criminals. You know, these, like, really uh, <laughs> radical new ideas that no one's ever yeah. heard before. So, yeah, they want to be able to say all of these atrocious ideas um, without being criticized whatsoever. These ideas aren't new, but when you're watching these ideas with a new I guess, fresh perspective in an HD camera on YouTube, they sound more edgy than they are. I think YouTube is a good place to kind of jump in here because this is extremely important to how shit fucking happens and why mm -hmm. all of our lives suck because we have Donald Trump as president. <laughs> when you're watching YouTube, you end up on all these IDW people. Eric Weinstein has a podcast. Jordan Peterson has his own little podcast. Sam Harris. Well, let's has talk a about how do you how do you normally first find out about these guys? That's a great question, Steve. The answer to that is Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan Joe has had every single one of Rogan. these people on. Joe Rogan's podcast, super enjoyable, right? Can't say a bad thing about him in the podcasting business. We love you, Joe. But what the fuck, man? Eric Weinstein, Brett Weinstein, they're friends of the show for him. You know, like this is yeah. this is their scene. And that's why a lot of people consider Joe Rogan part of this IDW too. Once again, not a political commentator. You know, he, right. he rabbles in called, a little, yeah. but Joe Rogan has the biggest platform out of any podcast. <clears throat> and I mean, he's pulling, he's bringing in higher ratings than Rachel Maddow every week. And that's on cable news. Do you know what I mean? So this is a big, big issue that at some point we need to address and realize that, hey, these are really right-wing ideas getting out to an entire generation of, I mean, younger and older people who listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah, lest you uh, doubt us on how influential Joe Rogan is, like, oh, come on, it's just Joe Rogan. By, according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source on the internet, yep. by April, <laughs> <laughs> look, we're not going to normally uh, no, quote I Wikipedia on this show, but uh, I, I ran out of time. So, uh, <laughs> uh, by April 29th, according to Wikipedia, that literally anyone could have written this, uh, a podcast... <laughs> A podcast, the podcast had 190 million downloads a month. I don't care if that number is completely accurate. Um, that's it, crazy because that's like literally like 45 more listens than ours. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say, you said he is the most influential podcast. 
I don't know, man. I was surprised to hear that because of ours. And in each video, right? And this is kind of the phenomenon of podcasting. Everyone knows this. Like if you are on the internet and you're trying to get a following, you go on Joe Rogan's show, boom, that is just like a follower drop of your dreams, right? right. And so someone mm -hmm. in the IDW going on a Joe Rogan's podcast, guess what? You just got a bazillion followers and and people checking you out. What a what a, we didn't really talk about this but what a stupid fucking name intellectual dark web like you're naming yourselves after a place where people get like sex trafficked <laughs> <laughs> dude i thought you were talking about uh joe rogan i was like don't like leave his mom out of this man it's a nice no, name no <laughs> <laughs> it's just joey hey, hey couldn't hurt joey. a fly hey. joey yeah but intellectual dark web I, I forgot about that whole like that whole thing he did man that yeah, was a man. weird fucking show. I, I watched it. It was like I couldn't look away, but like I hated every second of it. Like the shit they had to eat. You must consume two balut eggs. What happens is you're watching these ideas and you think it's new. And then your YouTube algorithm is setting you up with other things on the side. Just to give you a little sense here of how the right wing works, right? Like how on the left, for example, you have liberal capitalism and then you have like Medicare for all capitalism, like some government oversight. Then you have socialism, then you have communism, you know? So how it's working on the right side of things right now. Yeah, have, how do we break down the right? You have IDW, then you have alt-light. Alt-light then will bring you to the alternative right, also known as the alt-right, which everyone is now aware of thanks to uh, Charleston. Yeah, the alt-light is what the alt-right calls people who are basically racist, but not quite open about it. And uh, they're not fully committing to just being like right. saying, I hate Jews. Uh, for example, just a, a few people in that, like for example, Gavin McGinnis, if anyone's ever heard of the Proud Boys. Uh, co-founded Vice got pretty much kicked out of the circle of the Vice employees and then he uh, joined this world kind of dabbling in it with the Proud Boys gang which is a group of men who aren't allowed to jerk off essentially is pretty much all you need to know about them and they get in fights and they're Irish and that's what Irish Hold people on. do. Hold so. on. They all agreed as a group like we're not going to jerk off? Yes. It's one of their rules. Doesn't that what is it? Like doesn't don't your balls fall off? Okay, go ahead. If you don't, there's like if you don't jerk off, you're you're more ready to fight or some shit. You're stronger in a fight. You're more mentally there. You know that's scientifically backwards. Like the more you have, that is literally wrong because the more that you are sexually stimulated, the more your body produces testosterone. You fucking idiots. You're don't, walking around with no testosterone. Hey, don't beat your meat. Save your skeet for the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, dude. No. We need to make a beat out of that. Save your skeet for the street. I don't know why I'm rapping like I'm from 1986 right now, but we'll make it sound better in post. <laughs> don't beat your meat. Save the skeet for the street. That's the Proud Boys. So that's the end of our episode. <laughs> So one of these alt-light guys in general uh, is a man by the name of Stefan Molyneux, who also, by the way, has appeared on Joe Rogan, as so did Milo Yiannopoulos and Gavin McGinnis, actually, for the record. Right so, on. Mol so Stefan Molyneux, is, he's gotten more radical throughout the time, and he is now a race realist. And what a race realist is, essentially, is they believe whites and blacks maybe shouldn't live in society together. 
Uh, but insist wow. that, but don't don't worry. He does insist he's not a racist. So <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, are you troubled by it? And, oh, it's horrible. Because I don't know that I've gotten that exactly yeah. through your videos, but I obviously haven't seen everything that yeah. you've done on this. So hearing you frame it in that way is actually different than the, a bit of the impression I had of you on this. Oh, do you know how much I would give Dave to to know that it was just racism? This is, guys, this is a good time to look up the definition of the word euphemism. You're using a fucking watered-down version just because you're afraid to use the actual word that everyone knows applies. So that's what race realism is, guys. It's a classic example of a euphemism. You are and, a fucking racist if you call yourself that shit. And that was a daily definition by Steve <laughs> Stefan Ma Molyneux has 928,000 subscribers on YouTube. And he is openly talking about how whites and blacks cannot get along enough to live in the same place. He believes the whole IQ argument of Charles Murray. Race realism is a big thing in this alt-light and in some levels IDW culture because of a famous book from back in the day by a man named Charles Murray who wrote The Bell Curve. And The Bell Curve pretty much goes in depth talking about how whites have higher IQ and it's probably not because environmental uh, situations it must be because of genetics which it's been widely debunked by every uh, credible social scientist that's so awkward super super awkward. it's it's super cringe it's been debunked yeah a thousand times yet that did not stop sam harris a fellow idw member from interviewing him and apologizing for the racist treatment that charles murray had faced when he released this book you should know that the Bell Curve Studies and Publishing was uh, funded by white supremacist groups. And, you know, research studies, these people who do these things, they don't care, you know, whether they're going to get hired again in the future. They just want to do an honest job. They're altruists, these guys taking racist money. To our listeners who just tuned into the last podcast, and this is their second episode, sorry we went from aliens <laughs> to this shit. <laughs> this is a, this is a very sharp turn. It's like okay, what a fun quirky podcast! Wow, and now we're telling you why society is fucked. <laughs> They're pushing these these race realist concepts, and because you get one IDW guy talking about this, right? What that does is that opens up this entire gate to the alt light, which, like I said, Gavin McGinnis, uh, Lauren Southern, all these different types of people. Now you end up on algorithms with Richard Spencer and David Duke, who are just like David Duke, the former Ku Klux Klan wizard. You know, Richard Spencer, the man who coined alt-right as a term, uh, open white supremacist, and uh, also boyfriend to MySpace star Tila Tequila. What? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're still <laughs> dating, but they did date. So that's, <laughs> that's important. Before that, she was dating uh, the lead singer Smashing Pumpkins who also is a very right-wing conspiracy theorist. A lot of people do not give him his credit in that scene. But really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, now I have to burn all my Smashing Pumpkins records. Doesn't that suck, man? They're a great band, too. <laughs> that Siamese so Dream music. album, man. Fuck me up, fam. That's a great album. I don't know if you're joking, but they have that it one It is a song. great album. I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. Are you are you insulting on. that album? Okay. Hold on. Let me, okay. let me look up the song that I like, Smashing... 1979. That's the one everyone knows. Yeah, that's a good song. I didn't, but now I feel bad that I liked it. All right. Anyhow, it's the same old 
white supremacists regurgitated talking points from Fox News and conservatives for decades. You know, rap music is bad. Masculinity is being attacked. All these dumbass things that your drunk virgin uncle is going to yell at dinner. And it's just not (laughs) bold. It's just weak shit. Once you get in tune to this in YouTube, (laughs) it's the only thing you're going to see. Like, you're not going to get any counter argument. You're not going to get anything that's more moderate or just kind of fizzling you out from these ridiculous radical statements because the algorithm is just giving you links to support the last one you just watched. Yeah. So again, another shout out. I shouted this out last week and it's relevant again this week. This, um, If you really want to understand this in detail, what we're talking about with the YouTube algorithm, uh, the New York Times is doing a podcast right now called Rabbit Hole. I think it's mandatory listening for anyone living in today's day and age. It's just a little docuseries on the way that the internet has radicalized people. It's really similar to the topic we're talking about today. Today, we're talking more about like, what are they actually talking about? What's the content? And we're just shitting all over them. But the the New York Times, uh, yeah, the more New York Times podcast is really getting into the mechanics of how the internet works and why you're really only seeing one side of the story. But don't listen to them. I'll just tell you everything. Is that, uh, but literally the, the way the algorithm was written is that um, you... When you click on a video, it's going to show you videos that then other people went and watched after, right? And so it naturally takes you down this kind of rabbit hole in a – it like gravitates you towards more and more radical ideas. And that's a really crazy thing to happen when you really start to think about it because you're not – by definition, you're not hearing any counterpoints to the arguments that are being made. I mean, it's like if you're listening to you know, a band. Say you're listening to like Smashing Pumpkins on YouTube. You listen <laughs> to one, the next video that's going to play, chances are it's either going to be a Smashing Pumpkins song or a band like Smashing Pumpkins. It's going to keep you in that same world the entire right. time. Right. It's not going to then suddenly jump over to fucking EDM. Um, but now that I know what I know about Smashing Pumpkins, it might also jump you over to like David Duke, but who knew? Um, <laughs> the starting point is to realize like the way these guys are working on YouTube, especially the intellectual dark web and the alt-right and these guys that are on there is they're talking to you under this like false illusion that they are the, the beacon of truth. And that by clicking on their video, you've just discovered a truth. You were so lucky to find them. Because they're so what they do is they say, I'm the truth. You know, let me let me pretend that like the opposition to what I'm saying is, I don't know, the media, you know, like someone who you're already familiar with, you know, so you can't go like they're saying we have the truth. You're already familiar with the opposing argument. So don't bother to go do any more research, because if you watch the news, if you watch the media, you already know what they have to say. But I have the truth. Um, You're only hearing this side of things. Right. And so that's how they work is they work by triggering that part of your brain. This like instinct. We all these good instincts we all have as human beings that we don't want to be duped. Right. We don't want to be defrauded. We just like we're very weary of people trying to freaking like pull a fast one on us right and that's right. something that all all humans are attuned to that right and left at the side you know you hear bernie sanders always yelling about you know that we're getting ripped off we're getting ripped off like don't trust the corporations don't trust the insurance companies don't trust the government don't trust anybody because they're all just trying to rip you off and then on the same thing this these intellectual dark web guys do the same thing and they're all playing to the same part of your brain which is like you're on guard they're creeping in your mal- malignola whatever that thing is called <laughs> 
they're tickling the amygdala. So, which is the fear center of your brain, I yeah. just learned recently. Then, with some, with, then that means that you are chasing down a basic normal human instinct of like trying to find the truth. You want to know what's really going on, so you know how to live your life accordingly. Um, that said, they're they're lying to you by telling you that you have all the information you need to decide what the truth is by listening to their YouTube channel and then otherwise just generally going about your day. Because the reality is they're talking about topics in a level of detail that you're not hearing on the news, right? Yeah. And th what you're really only doing now is actually hearing one side of a very in-depth argument. And the problem with that, uh, an analogy I thought of earlier today in my job is like if I go to court, if I'm making an argument to a judge, right? Imagine that you're in a lawsuit or you're in some kind of case and the judge only gets to hear from one side of the of the case, right? So let's say that if you're being accused of a crime and now you want the judge to come to a fair decision, but your attorney, the defense attorney, is not allowed to speak, right? right. Now the judge has all the same evidence in front of him, right? But he's only hearing the prosecutor's spin on what that evidence means. And the way the prosecutor describes it and explains it and talks about it, if he mischaracterizes something or, or she, you know, there's plenty of female prosecutors, obviously. But um, no, if they not, nah, they would never do that. No, um, it's still male dominated jobs. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Joe. If Joe Biden had his way, no women would be working. But um, <laughs> oh, what a dick. Okay, so <laughs> my point is this. My point is this. I, as I have worked uh, in the court system before, and I know exactly how this works. When I start a new case and I read some arguments from attorneys and you just read that first brief. There's a phenomenon I never really quite realized is you, I, I start off by just reading one side's argument. You're pretty well on their side, like pretty early on, unless you have some bias or something against that particular um, issue or side or whatever that's operating in that case. And everyone has biases, but like it's whenever you read that first brief, it's always like, Oh my God, I'm really like kind of swept away by the arguments they're making here. It's like, wow. Yeah, there is a big problem here or whatever. And then you open the other side's brief and you're like, okay, damn it. This is actually way more complicated than I realized. And that's a great thing, right? Like the, if there's anything to be said about the, the system that we use in the courtroom, it's that the judge is required by law. The United States Constitution requires the judge to listen to both sides before he rules on an issue. That's an absolute requirement of our judicial system because we believe so strongly that if you only hear from one side, you're very unlikely to come to the truth. Or if you come to the truth, it's just a coincidence, right. you know, but it's not – it's not, but you, you haven't like vetted your beliefs. You haven't actually checked to make sure that what you believe is right. So how do you feel, like, what do you feel is the solution to this algorithm then? So there's a really interesting uh, idea here. Um, it's very anti-capitalist. Um, we're going to make something yeah. of public utility, aren't we? Yeah, let's fucking do it. But... <laughs> Actually, that's a that's a really great dovetail onto what I'm about to say, which is the guy who one of the guys who was in charge again. This uh, I learned a lot of this from the Rabbit Hole uh, podcast, so I'll just give credit to where credits due. But one of the guy they interviewed one of the guys who um, 
created this algorithm that YouTube uses to show you videos. And he thought at the time when he was uh, making this algorithm that it was going to be really good for humanity because at the time all you were seeing was like cat videos and like really low quality stuff and they wanted to Watch find it, a buddy. way. Those are great videos. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I'm really offending everyone right now. But, uh, you know, they wanted to make a system that would actually get you more in content that you want instead of just like generic content that happens to be popular. And so they were right when they created this algorithm them, it increased the uh, amount of time that people spent on YouTube by a lot because people were getting more shit along the lines of what they were looking for or shit that they didn't even know they wanted or didn't know existed because it was similar to what they were already watching. So this system, there's a way they could write the algorithm that would actually be that if you clicked on a a Black Lives Matter video, then in the recommended column, it's also going to suggest some, you know, all Lives Matter uh, videos or whatever. Um, And so... Um, so you can kind of get a more well-rounded understanding of what both sides of an argument are. And then everyone's just more, first of all, it would do a lot. One, it would help us all. We believe that it would help us all get to the right answers better because you're more informed and you have a better understanding of what both sides of an argument are. But two, it would at a minimum make you more empathetic about what the other side believes. So you would, you would have a better understanding of why people are disagreeing with you and we wouldn't exist in this weird parallel universe we exist in right now, which I do largely blame the internet for, where there's just like have parts of our country that exist in totally different like factual universes, right? And Which this is, is ironic considering that everyone's on the same server, right? Like we're yes. all going to the same place, yet somehow it made us completely more divided. Right. It would be like you're driving down a highway next to someone, but uh, all the billboards I see are one thing and all the billboards that other person sees are totally different. It's pretty bizarre because we are doing the same shit and we genuinely don't understand each other. We're not even speaking the same language. You know, like, why are people denying, you know, the problems with coronavirus and think that it's all kind of some kind of hoax that whatever, you know, there's this different because it is a hoax. But (laughs) Plandemic, baby, plandemic. We talk. If you want to hear our take on plandemic, we did address it a little bit in the last episode, which kind of dovetails now into your earlier comment about making it a public utility. So, what is the idea there? Because I'm actually super interested and haven't talked to somebody very much about the idea. Like, what what specifically are do people so, suggest should be a public well, utility? I mean, so so honestly, I, I haven't seen too much. Uh chatter about this online, although I'm sure people are talking about this. This has actually just been a growing debate in uh, my household for a few years now that uh, my girlfriend actually got me more to think about this being a public utility. Because and by this, you mean what, like YouTube or the internet itself? or you, what? You, YouTube and, and more, I mean, I'll, I'll go a step further than just YouTube where I think it's going to get to a point where these social media companies I think would have to be nationalized in some sort of way because when you think about it like yes I understand that corporations hold their power to you know ban people silence people and all that but social media is now an entire aspect of life that we we it wasn't considered a, a public commodity before but it definitely is now you know you are not functioning in the same society if you don't have it in the same way that cell phones are needed now and same way that electricity is needed and water is needed. And I know it sounds ridiculous to compare right. social media to, to, to electricity, water. Yeah. but really if, if you are going to function in, I mean, that's why the Obama phone, you know, a lot of people give Obama shit for that, but I think it's an incredibly important thing. You're not going to function in society the same way without, without technology. That's just the facts, whether we like it or not. Well, you apparently my friend haven't <clears throat> met the Amish. Um, 
I don't have to meet them because they don't have a phone, <laughs> so they don't matter, and they're not going <laughs> to listen to the podcast. That's <laughs> so we can talk all the shit about them we want. Oh my god! And if you are Amish and you're listening right now, busted, baby, we got you. <laughs> <laughs> so what what I was saying is, uh, companies like Facebook, Twitter, even like you know, you think of something like Gmail. Uh, YouTube, maybe even throw Instagram on that mix at that point. Some of these companies, I think, have become necessities. And when somebody gets banned for radical speech, it, it's a tricky subject. And we, we touched a little on this when we talked about pandemic. I know, of this this concept that, like, who's to say you can kick people on and off the platform? And granted, the YouTube uh, lady, I know you told me, did a great job explaining as to why, which is fair. I mean, it, it's it's a private company she can do whatever she wants and it's misinformation all that but at some point we have to accept that if you get kicked off all these programs you're not functioning in society like everyone should so i mean you can get their strikes and all that but there has to be some sort of system in place as like people are just getting banned off twitter forever banned off facebook forever and sometimes it's not that radical stuff sometimes it's people on the left that are getting kicked off and it's it's a tricky slippery slope that if it were nationalized if it became a public good and a public service a we'd be able to well track then this radical stuff more and we could build a better algorithm so people aren't going down the these wormholes it's a, it's a tricky subject and i'm i'm not saying there's not arguments uh on the opposite side to not do it but i, I do think well i mean i it's it's a really interesting idea um to like give a little credence to it to if anyone thinks that what uh decatur is saying is like fucking crazy first of all man come on like get down with marxism right but anyway cultural um, marxism bro <laughs> you fucking cultural marxist cultural marxism we beat our meat over here <laughs> <laughs> they're just a bunch of masturbators there was a court case where someone was blocked from donald trump's twitter he sued because he said that should violate the first amendment because Donald Trump is a public figure. And the argument was no Twitter is a private company. Right. And so the big question came to the courts, which was, uh, well, how do we treat Twitter? And they kind of came up with this like compromised view on it, which it was like, okay, yeah, Twitter is not a public utility. So we can't really say it's like, we can't really say it's regulated by the constitution the same way. But then again, when, because it is so, big and because someone like donald trump is on it at least when a public official is on it then we're not we have to kind of treat it uh, like it is a public utility at least for that specific like small situation a lot of the time i mean especially people like you know me and decatur uh is we're on there to look up shit about politics right it's yeah. like we are using it for political speech and, and um, i mean like let's let, let's even think about it on like obvious example is that's how people get their news if if there was a nuclear bomb dropping i guarantee you a lot of people are going right to their phones and they're gonna look on on like who knows where they're gonna find these this information now this is a very important system we have it's our main line of yeah. communication imagine right. what this pandemic would look like right now if there was no internet if oh wow! No people might actually media? be following the uh, might even be following the CDC. Man, I mean, there'd be no <laughs> pandemic, but at the same time, <laughs> like that—that's that, our our prime communication right now as humans yeah. across the entire globe is social media because of this pandemic. The point is, is like, yeah, your free speech is fine until you're now defrauding people, and your fraudulent speech is causing 
actual physical human lives to be lost. Right. And so I think that you can debate YouTube about whether that infringes your First Amendment rights, even though YouTube is a private business um, and whether or not it should be a private business is a different debate that we were just having. But their choice uh, from an ethical moral standpoint of like, should we take videos down that could kill people? And not only can it kill people, but and we can verify from authorities that we choose to accept, like the CDC or the World Health Organization, um, that are just are just scientifically inaccurate. Right. right. So them making that choice, I think, is respectable. Even if you disagree with it, you have to at least acknowledge the fact that like caring about human life and caring about your brand um, uh, is a respectable decision. Even a capitalist should get down with, hey, I respect your choice as a brand to not want people to die right. because that's Even bad for business. A neo lib could get behind that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we all right. know those are the worst. People. Right. So there's like a socialist and a capitalist argument in favor of what YouTube did here um, on those and taking down videos and stuff. But, you know, the point is there are ways that uh, these platforms could not do what they're doing, but it would be bad for business, you know, that they could instead have algorithms that prevented a more fair and balanced argument wouldn't be good for business, which brings in government regulations. So there are ways we could regulate the internet that would not, um, that would not necessarily involve having to make in public utilities, although that's an option. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, still lets the capitalists make a bunch of money so they could be happy still, but it would solve a lot of these problems. So people are getting radicalized through the internet, intellectual dark web, going into the alt light, going into the alt right. Next thing you know, you're just a straight up KKK member, uh, right? How but seriously, get this helmet on. <laughs> wow, well, I care. You know, and like people have talked about that though, and like come out of the shadows and said like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah, I really went down this crazy rabbit hole on the internet, and I didn't even know that there was all these counterpoints. And why didn't you know about it? Because no one ever showed them to you. Because right. that's how the internet works. And right. so, so I mean. What's so fucking crazy is like that the shit like if you're really into these IDW guys, you do need to go out of your way and I'm encouraging you to do it to just go hear what other people are saying, right? Like ContraPoints is one on the left. ContraPoints, yeah, it does a great job de-radicalizing people. I know a lot, especially of the younger uh, Gen Zers really point to ContraPoints as getting them out of that scene. There's also uh, Ben Burgess who is a uh, Marxist philosopher uh, professor at Rutgers University. He gets a lot of these right-wingers out. Um, Majority Report, Michael Brooks, all, all, all these guys do a great job getting people out of this scene. And it is very tantalizing. And I think that's a responsibility we have on the left is to welcome these people in when 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 they're thinking about coming in. We can't shun them away for their past views that we disagree with. We got to be open-minded. Yeah. I think that's something that the left needs to consider more and talk about more is being accepting and forgiving. Yeah. Look, and, and in full disclosure, I, I said this in the first episode, I I've never been a alt right. You know, I'm not going to lie to you and be like, I used to be all right. And that's why you should believe us. Like, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, but what I will tell you is I used to vote Republican. I was a conservative. Idiot. I then kind of, no <laughs> yeah, but really, no, no, I was like literally more of my life. I was a conservative than now I'm a pretty far left progressive, um, uh, you know, reading all about socialism, reading about stuff I never would have read before. But, um, you know, because it was like taboo, like honestly, but, you know, and then I was libertarian. I, I have to tell you, man, I, I totally understand the feeling of like you, you want to be part of a tribe, you know, in 
and then to learn that maybe your drive is wrong is really tough. Um, it's a really hard thing to swallow. But like if you if your only loyalty is to the truth and your only loyalty is to like being a good person and you don't really care what that means and what what that means as far as what group you're a part of, then like you owe it to yourself and to your fellow man to look outside of the circle of information that you're getting on the Internet. But getting out there on the internet and getting educated about what they're talking about, at least, so you know what people people are saying, like it's not a bad idea. Just to inform yourself on, you know, what all these literally millions of people are listening to. Just be aware that the YouTube machine and Facebook and all that are just going to start feeding you more and more radical shit. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, how you everyone knows how YouTube works. You get you end up in the weird part of YouTube and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? Um, that You know, that that is a path for that. It's a pathway. So just keep that in mind and know that you're only hearing one side of an argument. That said, take a dip into some uh, leftist waters, if you will, and uh, see, especially, We're much you know, yeah, <laughs> literally uh, <laughs> to everybody. But, uh, you know, like the point is, is like a lot of the stuff they're saying is verifiably false or it's based on false assumptions and it's just absolute fucking bullshit, racist ass piece of shit poop. And so, uh, <laughs> mic drop, uh, you know, but, but it's true. It really is fucked up shit that they're talking about. Oh, no, we're realists. It's like, no, you're, 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 you're a racist and at least own it, you know, at a minimum, like own what you're saying. Libertarians and progressives are on this, uh, a lot of the same page about civil liberties, right? right. Um, now we talk about the IDW crowd and the people like Jordan Peterson, and suddenly we're not on the same page about civil, civil liberties really at all. Like he wants free speech for racists, not free speech for everybody. You know, like he's completely, he wants to stifle progressive speech, have free speech for everybody. It's total bullshit. But, you know, anyway, I digress. But the point is, is that there are, you know, the, one of the problems I think is that the the intellectual dark web and these people in the alt-right and a lot of these YouTubers out there, you know, the people that you guys are probably watching, if you're into that, they're very good at presenting themselves as intellectuals. They know the tone of voice, all these kind of persuasion techniques. You know, they're very good at these things that like even lawyers learn is like, there's a certain demeanor you should have while you're speaking to maintain credibility with your audience. And there's a certain way that you compose yourself, hold yourself, a certain speed at which you talk, a certain way you acknowledge the other person's viewpoint, but then... But there are complete if you if that's really persuasive to you is wanting to feel like you're on the intellectual side of the debate. I promise you there are extremely intellectual, brilliant leftists out there that you can find very easily if you but you have to now at this point with like what's your recommended searches on the Internet, you do have to go out of your way now to go search for these people. Right. We mentioned a few names, but definitely. And I, I think it's important that, yeah, you, you can't trust whoever you're watching to do your research. You don't know what these guys have consumed. They might have not done their research. Actually, even uh, speaking of an IDW person, there's a famous debate between Jordan Peterson and Slavoj Vizek, who is the, the biggest communist philosopher of modern day times and they debated and he got jordan peterson to admit that jordan peterson hasn't even read karl marx since he was 18 and so he doesn't even know what he's talking about and that that's the point these things will will poke flaws <laughs> in a lot of right as you start to find out little facts like that we're like oh shit i didn't know that now that makes me question about everything right, right. and like that's a good thing that's how we vet shit right we need to hear both sides of an argument uh, Decatur, I wanted to ask you, who is your favorite figure on the alt-right? 
<laughs> my favorite figure on as the alt. As far as like, so who not, did not, just... not the IDW, but the alt, right? Well, you know what? I'm going to open it up. Who is your favorite figure on on IDW, anywhere on the spectrum between IDW and alt, right? Okay. Uh, oh, man, there's so many great ones. I mean, Jordan Peterson, obviously <laughs> a mainstream one of just like total doofus. Uh, yeah. Dave Rubin is pretty fun as far as the IDW. When we get into the Okay, but before we before we like jump back, uh, before we say more names, like what is something that Jordan Peterson said <laughs> that is like your favorite shit? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Uh, one of my favorites is when – he is talking he's actually on the jim jeffries show and he's talking to really? Jim jeffries yep and jim jeffries is interviewing him and questioning jordan peterson about how jordan peterson doesn't think it's fair that if you don't want to make a cake for a gay wedding that you're forced to do so right obviously the famous case <laughs> making people bake a cake for a gay wedding making them do it yeah I don't think that's a very good idea. But here's the argument. So should they be able to deny making a cake for a black couple if they don't like black people? Allowed to? Probably. That doesn't mean it's right. Okay, so then we had the civil rights movement yep. where they said black people, well, you had to serve them in your restaurants and yep. stuff like that. And it did work and it did make our society better. But would yep. you argue that that still wasn't right? No, that was right. Why, why is that different to now if you didn't want to make a cake for black, black people? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not different. Yeah. Maybe I was wrong about that. I I guess it's not. I I, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> this, is like, this is their leading intellectual, and he's changing on the spot for Jim Jeffries. What a <laughs> a fucking comedian broke this guy. Like in a matter of fucking minutes. Um, but then again, Dude, that's there's... fucking amazing. There's Dave Rubin where there's this famous clip where all the lefty YouTube shows have just totally tore him apart and dunked on him for where he's talking, yeah, uh -huh. he's talking about someone and Dave Rubin just out of nowhere goes, my mind is just overblown from all these high level important ideas I'm taking in. So that's a what? <laughs> um, as far as the alt-light, alt-right people – yeah, the uh, fucking, this, like, hardcore racists. Yeah. Right. The Stefan Molyneux, like, aside from his abhorrent views, like, he's just boring, right? Like, I don't, like, I want to have a little, there's no edge to him. He's just boring. He's just. Sorry for the Ashkenazis, is particularly focused on language abilities. Uh, and this re represents, uh, this reflects their. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the. The, the Gavin McGinnis tries to be funny, which is why it's not funny, because I feel like, honestly, when alt-right people try to be funny, it's just not funny. Because you don't realize how much of the time you've been talking to women, you just let them get away thinking, with it. thinking, this is going to get me pussy somehow. Even like a fat, ugly chick, you're friends with her to help facilitate sex with maybe one of her friends. There is <laughs> one person that is better than everyone on the entire right, my friend. Who? His name is Jesse Lee Peterson. Jesse Lee Peterson. Jesse Lee Peterson, who is a black conservative who is dear friends with Sean Hannity, who calls Trump the great white hope. Wow. And what the fuck kind of name is that? You know, fucking equality and all this shit and that women should do whatever they want and all that. The minute you say yes, he yells beta. Are you beta male? Beta. Yeah. Beta. <laughs> it's the greatest shit. <laughs> That's not an argument. I, lo I fucking love that. It's like, that is so Trump. That's why they're friends. I'll say it. Jesse Lee Peterson to me is more entertaining than Alex Jones. 
Okay, I'm glad you brought up Alex Jones because that was my answer. My favorite figure on the spectrum between IDW. Well, first question: Where do you put him, Alex Jones? Where do you put him on this whole thing? I don't know, man. He's, I mean, he's like, not intellectual, right? We can't put him on that no, scale. No, he's like more. Who's all? By the way, Alex Jones uh, been on Joe Rogan's podcast multiple times. I think oh, yeah. that Alex Jones is probably honestly he's far right. But I don't know. He's like he splits off from the alt right and goes a little above the alt right because he's like he's weirder than the alt right, but almost not. Oh, as I racist. have a perfect. E- <laughs> okay, well, here's a perfect example of how fucking weird he really is. And I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor? How I'm gonna haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up? I'll do it. <laughs> so that's Alex Jones. And just in case, like, that's my favorite clip of all time now. And it just came out, what, like a, a week or two ago? Okay, guys. So we have talked a lot about a lot of things tonight. The IDW, obviously, and how it leads you down to a fucking wormhole of terrible, terrible people in the world. And I am not afraid to say that. They are terrible fucking people. And it's not your fault that they are terrible. They are convincing. That's what they do for a fucking living. Uh, we also learned that, um, you know, YouTube is going to have to change some things and as leftists we're going to have to change some things too how we how we identify ourselves with the other side and how we bring people over so i think there's a lot to digest in this episode and we are extremely sorry that this was twenty thousand times heavier than our last episode about (laughs) i'm not Uh, sorry you fucking deal with it guys yeah fucking deal with it that's what we do out here baby we (laughs) we beat our meat over here on the cultural marxist side (laughs) Steve, is there anything you want to uh, say before we get out of here? No, I think we covered it. We got our Alex Jones clip in, which is really my only agenda item for this episode. So, yeah, I think think we're good. I think that uh, the only other thing I'd point out is that uh, we we love you guys. You know, we really do. We're we're, we're total. (laughs) More than you'll ever know. (laughs) We love you guys in a weird way. Like, it's not appropriate. Hey, you. (laughs) You with the you with the headphones in right now. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah, we see you you a lot. (laughs) Look to your left. Someone just crashed their car right now. What me? Ah! (laughs) Don't worry, they're safe. It's fine to laugh about. They're safe. They just they hit a tree, but no one got hurt. (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, but guys, um, you know, if you could just tell one person if. All of our listeners told one person we still wouldn't be famous, but <laughs> we got to beat Joe Rogan. That's our point. That's our Joe point. Rogan is going down. <laughs> Put that on the record. Put that on the record. <laughs> and yeah, guys, he's going to want to be a guest on our podcast. Probably not. Um, <laughs> yeah, go to www.superpoliticsshow.com and just, you know, give us some feedback because uh, we're lonely. If that's not the name of our podcast by the time you listen to this, then, uh, you know, I don't know where you should go. <laughs> but find us. Find our website. It's out there. It's probably whatever the name of our show is, .com, unless we can't afford the .com because no one was on our Patreon. <laughs> Maybe we have some other shit like .info or whatever. <laughs> it's out there. We have a website. Just search for it. Google us. Well, I'm Decatur. And I'm uh, Steve. 
And this is the first time we're doing this. <laughs> good night, America. <laughs> are we gonna? Are you gonna take us out with a beat this this episode? Dude, always every episode. All right, guys, listen there's through the end because right now, right now, there's a beat going. It's, you can start to hear it going here, and I just want you guys to know that the music you hear in this podcast, with limited exception, and I'll never tell you which one, it's all original shit by your own Decatur. <laughs> The other songs are the Smashing Pumpkins. All right. <laughs> and the beat will drop in five, four, three, three two, two, one. One. I lost the rhythm. <laughs> My answer is something called science. Let's go down the rabbit hole together. Well, I'm not overwhelmingly intelligent from a quantitative perspective. Quantitative perspective. It's also people like James for the true diversity of ideas. I have to say that my brain is still in recovery mode from taking in so many high-level important ideas. I'm not large enough yet to eat Dave Rubin. Eat Dave Rubin. Man, that woman, she was so damn smart. She she learned how to write ideas by 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 this is that thing in third grade that i never figured out there's only one way to be stupid but there's many ways to that be make intelligent. you a cake that had nothing to do with uh, i would argue that li- liberals have failed us and and i asked you a question you failed to answer a single one of mine frankly i find this whole thing a waste of time <laughs>